0: Dave, we are a podcast about music for musicians and for people that really understand the power and value that music can bring into people's lives. The last few months, however, have been particularly challenging for musicians and people that work in and around music. And so today we're very proud to show our support for a fantastic charity doing some brilliant work in this area here in the
1: UK. That's all right, John. Um, Help Musicians are an amazing charity who offer a wide range of services and support for those based in the UK this includes work with creative programs support with health and well-being same but a few so for those who love music want to support the industry and help see it grow please visit www.helpmusicians.org.uk love music help musicians now let's get on with the show
0: Hello, welcome to the Punk Rock Academy podcast. We've had a week off, we're refreshed, we're ready to go. I'm John. I'm Dave, fully revitalised. Let's go. How are you doing, John? I'm good, thank you, Dave. I'm very well. We have just spoken to, uh, and we're about to play you, an interview that we had with Alex uh, Anasiedis, I hope I pronounced that correctly, Um, author of the book We Can Be the New Wind, which has been out for a little while now. Um, It's an incredible book that talks about the evolution of punk rock in the 80s um, and what became a pretty kind of mainstream sound and it looks at like that kind of evolution of that melodic punk rock sound in the 80s um it's a great book I'm gonna say this is maybe one of my favorite interviews Alex is, is a lovely guy and he talks a lot about his views his experiences um, his personal journey um, it's it's just a great listen Dave Oh yeah like you said it's, it is one of my favorite
1: interviews yeah um such a lovely guy and you know his story at the end which you know his inspiration behind the book it really inspired me and it was really touching but one thing we did mention about was um bands who started off punk bands and evolved to something much more bigger, something that transcended the original punk scene. So, John, I want to ask you, what bands did it for you? Bands, bands who started off punk bands and evolved into a different sound. What's been your favourite? You
0: oh, I don't know if any bands evolved to kind of. I can't think of any anyone that I love that much. that's changed to become anything different um, in terms of in terms of who they are, but in terms of their sound and style, um, I love later Dinosaur Junior stuff, Sam I Am, um, Seven Seconds, uh, obviously the book's named after a Seven Seconds album and um, I know a lot of people at the time um, were upset by the that path that they took, that kind of U2 path, but um, a lot of that stuff I think is great. So, you know, I mean, I can't complain Dave, I've changed my style and look a few times over the years, I can't complain well, I'll just do it, I hope I'm um, open-minded enough to accept it. So, you know, as long as it's not too... I can't think of anyone that's done it too badly, but I'm sure I'm sure there's a few that I gave up on along the way. What about you? John,
1: you, you pull it off all the time, though, mate. You pull it off all the time. Um, I could say Beastie Boys, obviously, it, it came from hardcore punk and obviously you know, evolved into like, hip-hop. Uh, but I'm going to stick with one which sticks within the parameters of Sky Punk, actually, and that's going to be Against All Authority. Um, they started off really fast, scrappy, aggressive, snarly, and they've kind of, like, um, changed the sound to a lot slower darker feel but still still catching the scar vibes but obviously you got to branch out and you know, evolve to you know to, in ways which going to satisfy your creative needs so yeah against all authority
0: there you go i'm sure there's loads more we haven't thought of but um if you want to discover a new favorite band i can't recommend the book highly enough it's available on earth island go get yourself a copy after you listen to the interview
2: Hello, how are you? <laughs> Good to see you,
0: mate. How are you?
2: I'm fine. I'm fine. Thank you. I'm fine. I'm very happy uh, to be here with you today. So it's, it's a real pleasure. Real pleasure.
0: We're delighted to have you, honestly. It's, um, we've been, I, I was hoping to get the book before we spoke to you uh, properly, but, um, but we always wanted to speak to you. As, as soon as I saw the book was coming out a few months ago, mm-hmm. I thought this is definitely an interview we, we want to get. So um, it's, our, it's completely our pleasure.
2: Uh, thank you thank you john thank you thank you so much well uh uh, the book is 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 going really really good Uh, david earth island he's so happy about it i'm very happy that lots of people are getting and enjoying it because um my first and utter goal is uh to have at least one person uh, sending me an email or a message or whatever and telling me oh man i didn't know that band that band and this band is great and thank you Uh, i have fulfilled
0: my goal with just one person (laughs) i mean i skim i skim through the book and i think uh i consider myself fairly uh fairly kind of well read if you like or well listened to in this area a lot like all my favorite bands are mentioned in your book um and i've already discovered a bunch of bands that i i didn't know so i mean there's hundred, i mean there's literally hundreds of bands sort of featured even if they're just mentioned briefly isn't there i don't know how you spent did, did honestly, uh, Alex? Did you know? Did you know all the bands beforehand, or did you discover some as you were researching it as well?
2: All the bands that I did uh, take an interview, I knew them beforehand. Uh, it, it it was about uh, two hundred to two hundred fifty bands, something like that, that I didn't uh, I didn't know, and I found out later. And these uh, these bands are included in the final, in the last chapter, uh, where there are about one thousand one hundred bands everything is reviewed you know bands that uh, um i i missed them in the first place or bands that i didn't take interviews from um i, I shall start though john with um, with the negatives <laughs> there are some there, there, there are some negatives get that uh, way. ah <laughs> david well sadly there are some negatives uh, first one is uh, that um i couldn't proofread my grammar my grammar and spelling. It was a huge job. It was about, it is about 300,000 words. Uh, I was in the hospital with uh, COVID. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty serious. And I told David, okay, David, please send it away, man. I, I, I can't, I can't do anything. It's like, I'm stuck. I'm stuck in a bed in, uh, in the hospital. And I will be here for, I don't know for how much time. Uh, so it was a, a little bit of a rough period. The other negative is that there are four bands that I looked forward so much to interview. But the three of them, uh, they're totally... They're, they're nuts. The three of them are nuts. <laughs> the, 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 the fourth one... And, and sorry, sorry, so before you, before you go on, are you allowed to reveal that who those three were? Of course, of course, of <laughs> course. <laughs> Mid Puppets, the first one. Okay. The Replacements, the second one. Mm. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) The Lemonheads, the third one, the Lemonheads, guys, Uh, I can say a very funny story. I sent an email to Corey Brennan. He was a guitarist for Lemonheads in four records in the 1980s, the good ones, the good records. Mm -hmm. And um, I sent him an email and I told him, okay, Corey, I want to interview you about your former band he told me about Lemonheads and told me, "Oh no, it's about Busted Satius." Busted Satius is a band that released just one seven-inch in <laughs> on nineteen eighty-seven. <1987. laughs> he, he told me, "Man, you're the first one asking me for." And I told him, "Yeah, because I'm going to schedule an interview with uh, Ivan Dando." Ivan, guys, sorry, it's <laughs> Ivan's crazy. Guys. Have, you seen, never, I...
0: have you seen any of the recent footage of, it, of their live Sadly, shows? Yes. Sadly, yes, John. Sadly, yes. It, it, it's
2: it's ah uh, uh, yeah he's in a very va- in, a, in a very bad
0: um, yeah health state i think clearly that's yeah. pretty obvious but it's a bit of a sad state to watch someone mm-hmm. go through it quite publicly mm-hmm. i guess for the replacements you had um you had there was a book a few years ago that came out so <laughs> i guess that story's been told quite quite well um and i guess the meat puppets are fairly fairly well-known as well, as, as well as the Lemonheads. So if it's any consolation, I'd say that the, the bands that you did cover are probably the ones that needed to have their story told.
2: Well, exactly. Uh, the sad thing is that their management, both in Lemonheads and Meat Puppets, their management, they're not helpful at all. Not helpful at all. Uh, and the fourth band, John, the fourth band is uh, Wipers which accidentally, I'm wearing a T-shirt of them right now. <laughs> uh, Wipers is one of my favorite bands. I've got records from Greg Sades. I got T-shirts from Greg Sades. I got, uh, I, I got um, emails from Greg Sades in the last 20 years. And hmm. when I asked him for an interview, he said, no, no interviews. Ah.
0: It's quite difficult because so the book is, is very, very clearly a labour of love it's a passion of yours that comes through you're not shy of saying this you talk about your own personal um love of all the bands that you write about in the book so it's not just a it's not just a kind of factual book about these things you are talking about you know what um what your views are of them so it's difficult because the chances are if you're going to meet 200 plus bands some of them aren't always going to be that great right (laughs) some of them are going to be you know some of them are going to be assholes
2: yeah 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 yeah. but uh, in that case uh, there were not many assholes Uh, uh, there were so many friendly people great people and I can say that there I can say the top three people top three uh, first one was Rob Rob Younger Rob Younger from New Christ and Radio Birdman Rob Younger is a is a rock and roll hero guys it's like uh, he's a living legend And we we keep, uh, we are still exchanging emails from time to time. He sends me emails, you know, (laughs) like that, Alex, this and this and that and this and this and that. And uh, we managed to change the interview three times, Mm -hmm. change things that were written in the interview because... (laughs) <laughs> Rob Jagger <laughs> was cursing some f- of his former bandmates and told me, okay, please, erase it erase it, he's gonna sue erase it, please erase <laughs> it, erase that <it. laughs>
1: that doesn't surprise me
2: yeah <laughs> David, he was hilarious he is hilarious, he's a very happy guy, and my, my, ho- my home in, uh, in Greece is just nearby the first place uh, the new Christ played uh, for the first time in uh, in Greece in 1987. I was of course six years old then. It was like, so I couldn't attend that show, <laughs> but um, it, it's just nearby, and I was like, you know, uh, Rob, I live here, and he and he and he remembers everything. He remembers everything. It's, it's uh, he, he's he's such a sweet guy. He's great. Uh, John Worster from Super Tank. John Worster. Guys, he told me uh, um, he sent me a, he sent me a message on Facebook and told me you are Alex that we are writing this book. I told him yes. Would you like? Would you please like to have an interview of uh, an interview of me uh, about chunk I said wait. Uh, well, you're John Warsher, right? And he told me yes. I'm John Washer, and you are asking me for an interview. <laughs> 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 he was he, he was just great he was just great clinton conley from uh, mission of burma fantastic simply fantastic guy so kind so so well-mannered so so helpful <sighs> these these are definitely the top three it's better it's def- better
0: to focus on the positives isn't it and i mm-hmm. think you've done what you've done is alex is you captured i mean I guess from their point of view, I mean, although these are well-known bands and names t- to us, although mo- most of them are well-known to us, um, it's a it's an untold story. The seventies punk scene is very well told. The nineties grunge scene is very well told, and there's some bits of the eighties and the and the alternative punk underground scene that is kind of well told. Maybe you could say like DC mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. But really, there's a big gap in public the public knowledge. And you you filled that. You've told the story for, for these people and I hope that they understand the, um, the sort of significance of that. I mean, you know, we, we spoke to Carlos from the Nils. I mean, he, I know, you know, I'm sure you know that to him it meant it meant the world. I mean, for me to see bands like Government Issue, um, it, it, all, I mean, you know, there's hundreds of them. We could list hundreds of those bands, but to see the names of those bands in prints and have their story told, I think is... Is really important to to them. It's important to us as fans as well, um, and hopefully it does well, a bit of a job of bridging that gap between the youth tell at the beginning, that sort of seventies to nineties which you go through. It wasn't just uh, an accident that it it happened. There was no sort of you know second wave. This was always carrying on, and you're you're telling that story. So I I would hope I would be more upset if there wasn't uh, a lot more positive stories. I'm I'm glad that there yeah. was some good good people out there.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, John. Uh... Uh, the one thing that always frustrated me uh, every time I read books like American Hardcore or every time I watched documentaries, like, it, was, it was like, by 1984, Hardcore was dead. Punk was dead. And I was what, like, wait, was man. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, wait. Some, some of my, my very favorite bands released records in 1985, 1986, 1988, The Asexuals, The Nils, uh Doll boys um there were there were some fantastic uk bands like like joyce mckinney experience hdq hung drawing and quartered uh, it sounds uh, like so,
1: sp- it sounds like they've got some sort of narrative they've got to stick to you see and you know if it, if it is anything anything's after that you've you've kind of missed the wave but obviously like you said there are so many great bands out there that so were still making you no know, uh, ripples and you know top within the innocent in the scene and yeah, it's a, it's a shame that you know they've gone down that route, but obviously that's, let, that's left the door for you to come in and explore that and really open it wide up and say, you know, there were bands here, there were people here to, to, are worth listening to, and like you know, this is a story that you're t- now telling. And um, David,
2: um, well, <laughs> I, I I love I love UK music. I love I love the British music. I think that what the British gave to the world in the 1970s and 1980s. And the of course, is uh, 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 rock and roll was formed in the UK and it was perfected in America. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, there were, uh, you know, the, the UK hardcore scene and the punk scene of the 1980s still remains so underrated. Whether this is Heresy or Ripcord or Deviated District or it is Sofahead or jail jail cell recipes or uh, you know people always you know stick to the 1977 stuff which is great or they go to the 90 uh, the uk 82 stuff like you know gba's exploited discharge those bands great bands but there were so many great really great bands fascinating bands afterwards the scene the uk scene was it was flourishing you have you had so diverse so diverse bands from the stupids to the extreme noise terror. You know, it, 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 it was it, it was a blossoming scene, and, and nobody um, nobody speaks about that stuff. It's interesting. Isn't it?
0: no, I think for me, I'd be interested to get your, your view as to why this why this might have happened, but it seemed that there wasn't like a anyone that took ownership of that scene. Um, you know, there was press. Attention around the '70s scene, uh, which drove it into popular culture, and obviously, again, that happened in the '90s. But it seemed that maybe because of because of the um, stigma attached to punk, maybe by that point people didn't touch it, or maybe the music got harder. You mentioned some of the names, like you know, Discharge, Heresy, Ma- not just in the in the UK, obviously, across the world you know, maybe the music getting harder was less accessible, but it just seemed that no one wanted to take ownership of it. Um, and as a result, it never kind of filtered into anything beyond the small scene that it was. And, and you know, and, and probably not died with those people, but, you know, morphed into something else. So I mean, wh- why do you think that was? Why do you think it just didn't capture the kind of imagination?
2: I think that, uh, uh, you know, most people thought that hardcore was a US thing. So it, it was like a no-no for, you know, some people. It was very, it was very American. Uh, alongside uh, the first wave had John Peel. Uh, Oi had Gary Bussell. And, U- and, U- and UK82 had Gary Bussell and, and Sounds too. Uh, but I, I don't think that anybody uh, had, um, you know, the, took the ownership of promoting aristoc of promoting ripcord of promoting um, later bands like uh, even mega city four okay yeah. uh, which were which uh, they were a really a really great band oh, very basically. yeah so alex i'll also also to go
1: back and retrace your journey into punk rock and you know what, what got your interest in the the scene that they're speaking about now how, how did you obviously find your way you know, into the scene and obviously then creating you know, a biography of, of the whole scene and it's going passed down how, how did you get involved
2: well uh, um, as a youngster i was uh heavily into hardcore and crossover you know vri chrome Ix, agnostic front agnostic front still remain one of my favorite bands but uh, things uh, went totally off the rails when uh, I managed to get into the UK punk, uh, the 1977 stuff, the UK 82 stuff, and then the UK hardcore stuff. By early in my early twenties, I was you know championing stuff like the aforementioned hair errancy from Ripcord, uh, extreme noise terror. But also I love the melodic bands too. Uh, it was like it, it was like a big puzzle. Every every band had a piece and they were drawing a picture. So uh, I got into that stuff. Stuff, you know, and it, it it is fun because imagine that in Greece, nobody back then listened to the melodic UK punk bands of 1980s nobody I, I was searching for you know records by bands like uh, DUAL or um, or Sofa Head or uh, or The Abs stuff like that and nobody nobody had a clue I didn't even have a clue I had um, I had a, no, one, a, no one
0: in England was even searching for this <laughs>
2: <stuff>. <laughs> I, I had a friend in Scotland he was uh, studying in the university and he was sending me records I said I was sending him money and I told him okay Send me um, UK punk records of that era. Go ask in the record store and send me those records. Send me whatever you can. He was sending me stuff all the time. Uh, even more funny, uh, it was the fact that a great, um, alongside Maximum Rock and Roll, uh, it was uh, the Vinyl Solution record catalog. I was taking the record catalog and say okay i have to listen to this to this to this i have to find this and this and this and then i came across uh, with bands like um dag nasty uh with a band like uh, Negazione, or you you know bands that vinyl solution carried and my goal was okay i'm gonna pick up all the records that are (laughs) in in vinyl solution right now uh once I dived into that stuff, uh, David, well, uh, there was no turning back, no turning back. And I'm very happy about that, that was, there was no turning back because uh, I managed to discover uh, things that have been, you know, have been my friends because I consider those, those bands, the, their music, as a, as a great friend for about 20 years it's like
0: alex i'm interested like you, you were a similar age um, yeah. i think you were born, born in 81 in greece mhm um so most people are and dave dave too is a similar age so most people our age into punk would probably and we we know this because we interviewed them would probably say that they got into green day um and they kind of if they were really really into it they would discover a few more bands and end up getting into fat records and Epitaph. And then they would maybe discover their local scene um i you, when dave asked you the question you went straight into kind of um new york hardcore and, mm-hmm. and american a, early 80s hardcore and uk 82 how how did you discover this I and mean, we you are in greece at this time right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, well, and how hope. do you come across this stuff
2: well just right at my parents house there was a record store that was called rolling under Rolling Under took out some compilations and uh, took uh, 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 took out the Sounds compilation, double the Mob compilation that let the tribe increase. Uh, took out uh, records by bands like uh, Australia, uh, yeah, Australian bands like Yo, stuff like uh, American bands like Yo, stuff like that. And those guys there, that they were ten years older than me, all of them were into American into American hardcore and punk. Uh, so when I went to buy some of my first records, they gave me the Dead Kennedys, Misfits, stuff like that. They didn't like initially that uh, I was into the Cro-Mags and the Agnostic Front. They told me those new, you know, those New York guys are sketchy. Those New York guys are racist. <laughs> it was like, you know, okay, um, but they had not problem. They didn't have a problem with that because. I was neither sketchy nor racist, so <laughs> it, was, it, it it was okay. I, I I enjoyed the I enjoyed the power. I enjoyed the power of the music. I enjoyed the the, the power of DRI. The first time I heard DRI, I got uh, the Dirty Rotten LP and Four of a Kind. Those two, I I, I took that I took them the same day. I even remember the day that I got them. How much did they cost those records? And and. When I put on I put on firstly initially the four of a kind, I was 15 years old. I was like, whoa, this is this is crazy, this is ferocious. But then I heard the first record. I said, man, <laughs> this is this is this is out of this world. So uh, it took me some time to appreciate bands like No Use for a Name, Offspring, or Green Day, or No FX. I didn't like them initially. Initially, when I was 15, 16 years old, I said, "Whoa, what's that? Why, why do they play like that? Uh, they, they, sound." And uh, I didn't like, I didn't like at all the lyrics of NoFX. I hate, the, I hated the lyrics of NoFX. Something that changed in um, their 2001 record, uh, the when they went political, the ordinaryism. Yeah. Okay which is i think is the best their best record i couldn't stand their them being so naive and humorless or anti vegan or whatever it was like a big no effects were a big no no for me back then and uh, while other people go gradually from you know the the more mellow stuff to the harder stuff I started getting from the harder stuff to the more mellow stuff. <laughs> get get <an> old,
0: <laughs> But that's what, your book, that's what your book, you know, that's what your book looks at, doesn't it? It looks at the, you know, the. that's what the scene did. The scene was a lot of, and I think you talked about it in the book, you know, it was a lot of, you know, two minute heavy songs. And then as people grew older and they wanted to express themselves and be more creative and they got better at their instruments um, and they got frustrated with just playing the same two minute, songs they wanted to you know to become artists and you know obviously the name of the book um, is probably the most famous example of that from our scene and the one that caused the biggest the biggest controversy um I I really want to explore this so much I want to ask you but I'm really interested let's just go back a a bit more to the beginning um because I want to talk about the book a a bit later and I want to talk about your experience but let's go back even further before you step foot into that record shop um, growing up in sort of early 80s and mid 80s Greece um, what's I mean well uh, really earlier what was. Was sort of, what's the sort of music playing in your house um, and mm-hmm. next step is um, when you sort of do discover punk is there any kind of scene there for you obviously there's this record store of kids waiting do they have are they, Are there bands going on in your area and stuff like that for you to get involved in
2: my mother used to listen to, uh, used to, listen to Pink Floyd Love Pink Floyd, the 1960s and 1970 records. She used to play them a lot to me. I didn't like them. <laughs> uh, I enjoy the Piper at the Gates of Dawn right now, okay. But yeah, over, uh, I, I, I can say that uh, I champion so much the 9070 stuff. Uh, my sister, I have, I have uh, one sister and one brother. My, they were much older than me. Uh, when I was born, my sister was 16 years old and my brother was 19 years old. My sister was into New Wave. She was into the new wave, era of stranglers, a flock of seagulls, stuff like that. Uh, my brother used to listen to... He was blues and rockabilly stuff. So I can remember Johnny Kid and the, He was playing the guitar. He was playing uh, stuff from uh, Johnny Kidden and the Pirates. Uh, crazy cavern, stuff like that, that are, I still enjoy to this day, of course. Um, but um, uh, what what really happened, it, it was like an explosion. In, in Greece, we had only uh, everything was uh, all, the, all the channels, TV channels and radio channels, were, they were public. There was no private uh, private channel stuff like that. And uh, the mayor of my town in 1987 brought uh, the cable TV, and along came the MTV, and I was I was spending countless of hours listening to songs, w- watching songs, and n- noting down songs, um, songs that I liked. So I can remember the first song that I actually I was I was blown away. I went to school. I was nine years old, and I was singing along to it all the time. Oh, And I said, I want to go back home. I, I want to go back home and MTV play this video again and again and again. It was classes. Should I stay or should I go? When I first saw, yeah, it was like, it was like the apocalypse. It was like, <laughs> it, was, it, it wasn't Nirvana. It, wasn't, it was class. It was a class. I was like, man, this is amazing. And um, I also love the madness, still love the madness, still love the madness. But uh, in terms of bands, the Greek Greek scene uh, didn't have any melodic bands, Uh, especially the hardcore and the punk scene in the 1980s and 90s. The Greek punk bands, with the exception of one band or two bands, all the others were either fast hardcore or fast um, hardcore with crust, or dark brooding crust, or <laughs> there was no no room for, left for happiness or joy. or, <laughs> And I can't say that I was a fan of the Greek scene. I didn't like the Greek scene. I didn't like that um, those bands were, 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 were singing in Greek. I didn't like the Greek language in uh, rock and roll, uh, because I was exposed in the English language for... Day one, so rock and roll for me is English. Uh, there were some great bands though in Greece. With uh, my favorite one being Last Drive. Last Drive were formed in 1984. They were initially a psychobilly band, and they changed their sound to something in between garage rock and alternative rock. And those guys are those guys are excellent. I, I know you don't know them but they have so many records out. I will send you John a, a, a link after to check them out. They were, they're just amazing and, and they are amazing people, amazing people, warm, kind and very, very political, even though their lyrics and their music is not political, they are very political. But they're human beings, they're, they're, they're really, really nice human beings. And they were they are the ones that brought in Greece, Uh, Bands like Dream Syndicate, The Fleshstones, they listen to stuff like that, and and they still do. So this is how things progressed from then and on. I I wasn't involved, sadly, I don't have a talent playing music. (laughs) I wish I I had a talent playing music, I wish I played the guitar. If I did, I would love to form a band that we will be copycatting uh, wipers. <laughs> but but we need
1: but we need people to document the to document the band so you know you you're you here doing doing good and you're doing God's work. <laughs> thank Keep you. make record of that.
2: Thank you, David. Thank, thank so you. so
1: did any of these big bands um make it to Greece? No, the other ones you took the English bands who you love so much, the ones you listened to, did any of them uh, make it mainland or did you have to travel out far to see them or
2: I had it um in Greece in the, in the 1960s until the 1974 we had Hyundai, uh, Junda and they, no bands no foreign bands played. There was just one gig, Rolling Stones ended up in a chaos. Up till then, until 1981, no uh, no international artist want, would travel to Greece and play in Greece. So the first one was in 1981 it was Rory, Rory Gallagher. After that in 1986, it was, uh, it was a thing, Saxon, the metal band. After that, it was 1988, it was Iron Maiden. And um, it was a, in 1985, um, a festival with the Stray Cats and the class uh, that ended up in a huge chaos again in Greece. So uh, the promoters didn't bring bands, the bands didn't want to come to Greece. So even in the 1990s, in their early zeros, if you want to see if you want to see some bands, you really needed to travel overseas or uh, yeah, because just imagine that Social Distortion never played in Greece. They're going to play right now in about one month, first time. Social Distortion, okay. <laughs> uh, Pennywise never played in Greece, but Religion played in Greece just one time. Wow. Yeah, it's it, it, this. This is uh, a little, and um, once Greece once, uh, got into rock and roll, uh, and they headed directly at heavy metal. Uh, there, there's a huge, huge metal base here of people listening to heavy metal, and you know, things happen here for metalheads, but in order, uh, other bands. Just, okay, I'm, I'm going to present an example. Yesterday, in my city, and uh, two days ago in Athens, played a band named The Take. I've seen The Take played, uh, playing with uh, Agnostic Front about three years ago in London. The Take uh, include former former band members of um, Biohazard and uh, Agnostic Front and the Spot Monsters. They're a really nice band. Uh, the Tickets in Athens... Were 23, in my city Thessaloniki, there were 31, the whole tickets in the tickets in the whole show. So, so the prom, the promote the promoter is a great friend of mine, and he was like, man, okay, I'm going to, I'm 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 diving today into seat, but I don't care. I brought them, and it doesn't matter. We sold them. Uh, so still in Greece, in terms of punk, you have to be either 1977. Or UK eighty two, and right. that's it.
0: So, what sort of venues? Like, what's the capacity of the Social Distortion show and the, and the Pennywise show? But
2: well, uh, no, Pennywise never played. Social Distortion are going to play. Oh, in uh, So, how
0: big a venue is that?
2: Social Distortion are going to play in the festival. Okay, John. And uh, the bands in the um, the bands built the other bands built are metal bands.
0: So there still there still isn't there isn't a big enough scene to kind of to thrive by itself then, but then so yeah. I mean just going back to your your book so you obviously talked about um, the harder and, and more metal side of things in your previous book uh, mm-hmm. crossover the edge where hardcore punk and metal collide. Um, h- how are the two books different? Um, what in your experience, or, or are they? Are there two scenes? Wildly different, or are there enough similarities you can see that they came from the same place? Can you
2: widely different? Okay, widely <laughs> different. Yeah, well, the first thing the crossover scene, had uh, too much uh, violence, and uh, drama, and um, craziness. And uh, there were bits of um, racism in some bands, while the, the new wind bands they were sensitive, there were artists they were creative, they were positive, there was no violence, <laughs> and there was definitely no fucking racism. So it was... It's like a polar opposite. It's like, you know, hardcore by 1987 taking two different routes. The first one being the violent one, and the second one being the artistic... Did, did you
0: interview... Were you interviewing bands in a similar way for the first book as well then?
2: No, it was a little bit of different because okay. I, I knew already the... Um, the whole violence aspect. So I focused that on that too because there were different tri- There were different um, subcultures mixed in the first book. So there was a the 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 aspect of violence was pretty huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, while in while the aspect of violence, the second book is is absent. There was no violence. There were just some you know, some cases where some roadies or stuff like that say, play the fast ones, blah, 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 blah. blah but, but nobody cared about them. So Yeah, I guess like... bands,
0: like, bands like Seven Seconds must have still had... I mean, I remember I saw Seven Seconds when they came over to the UK in 2004 for the first time, which is quite late um, for them. And uh, a pretty nasty element of the London, the old London hardcore scene came out like a very small minority but a nasty group of people and there was a couple of nazi salutes and there was some pretty horrible stuff in 2004 to watch seven seconds mm-hmm. and you know i think um I, I think i spoke to kevin about it a few years later he came over again on a solo tour and um he says it happens you know i think h- how much do you think the music i know i know seven seconds is a slightly different example because they Still did, and then eventually went back to playing hardcore, and they're still. You could still say they're a hardcore band. Mm. But how much do you think the music um, changed was almost a reaction to that that sort of element of what was creeping into the scene for those bands? How much were they actively trying to distance themselves from some of the nastiest side of what was coming into that that scene?
2: Well, you won't ever listen to a band from the Nazi scene that is sensitive or that it is uh, kind, or that it is melodic, or that it has lyrics, positive lyrics, about good things in life, about love, right? (laughs) I think that this explains everything. And slowing down the music, taking all the agro aside, it it, it kind of, um, you know, uh, makes those people that uh, are into the nasty violent sounds of being aggressive uh, and fierce racists and
0: it it's it's it just uh alignates them do you think it was more do you think it was more about that or i mean look for for a lot of the bands i imagine they had a fairly difficult time because they were being accused of selling out some of them were making some success you can look at some of the bands like um you know i mean you can point to you know, Goo Goo Dolls and um, Soul Asylum and there's lots of bands in, in the in the book that you know could even that you know got major mm. label success and later got major label success um, so you kind of had two things one was this kind of reaction to the to the nasty side of the scene that was that was kind of um, branching off um, but then they had this accusation of being you know sellouts. being sort of sellouts um, how, how much do you think that kind of impacted people? Did, did it upset them? in your interviews? Obviously, you weren't there at the time, but when you were interviewing bands, did they were they upset by this? Uh, no, they were sad about it
2: because people didn't get it. Didn't get that you can't play three chords all the time. Yeah. Uh, uh, they were sad because something that was punk rock, it's the most open-minded thing in rock and roll. And suddenly... The most open-minded thing is rock and roll becomes formulaic, like, and it says, "Okay, you gotta have a Mohawk, red hair, three charts, three two, one go." Because if you play a song about your late, uh, your late sister, or if if you play a song about um, you know your feelings, or you play if you slow down things and play a song of five minutes, you're a sellout. But this is not the case. The, the, uh, uh, what I really appreciate in those bands other than the music is uh, that it really needs to have guts to be in the top, of, in the top of, of your game and then say, okay, I'm sick of this guys, I'm sick of violence and I'm sick of people, you know uh, people thinking that we're going to play over and over and over for our life uh, this style, we're going to change it I want that change to happen this is something that not many bands do. So, if this turns out to be um, a good marketing move and uh, they sell more records, okay, okay to them. I'm I'm okay with I'm okay with that. It's not the, and but you know there are many people that consider those um, uh, the sales. The sales has a meter. The more the more the sales, the less you're the less the authentic you are. But, but what can you say about authenticity? I mean, let me sell, uh, allow me to set an example. You have the casualties from the one side, okay, and you have who scared you on the other, who's more punk casualties that you're keeping for 30 years, those down three chords all the time. While they're recording for Fat Rec or Epita for some semi major, or was it the Who's Here Do that started out as the fastest, the craziest band in the world and evolved into something else? <laughs>
1: yeah. it's, it's hard, like making a leap from you know, um, playing a certain style, which everyone knows you, you're very familiar with. And then taking that chance, though you might disenfranchise a lot of your fan base. And you know, where do you go? can you go? Can you go back? Now obviously as a professional artist, you have to make you know make a living from that. You still, you know, you have your bills to pay, you've got family to feed, and you've got to pretty much live. So it's those hard choices, you know, making a leap where you can be successful in the eyes of, you know, um in life, I suppose, or in they say life, or you know, keep doing the same old thing just sticking to what you know just never really finding out how big you can get you know whether it's your own personal growth or just as a band it's, it's a tough one to make it's a very tough
2: one another example is sick of it all sick of it all released one record in the 19 late 1990s early early zeros yours truly which was different it was more melodic and everybody got uh, frustrated over them. Oh, they're playing uh, popcorn. Oh, and Sick of It All had to return back to their, to their earlier, more hardcore style because they saw sales dropping. <laughs> they saw, and uh, they had to, to leave off their families from the band. So it's like, I mean, it's, it's annoying for, 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 um, for a band to be stuck in their specific style because people always want that style, no change. Because it meant
0: something, didn't it? I mean, you know, we all know, I mean, I I got into this stuff when I was quite young and um, those bands that I listened to at that time, you know, mean everything to me. They can take me back to a very particular time in my life. And it's um, I guess it's quite it's such a personal thing. It's it's even more personal than just um, a big band uh, that you heard on the radio because you have, you feel more you feel like it's more part of your identity so um, i kind of i don't forgive it i get it do, do you think alex um, do you think punk rock is more forgiving now do you think yeah. bands are allowed to be a little bit more creative
2: 100% 100% everything everyone is more easygoing and more chilled right now so you can do whatever you want you can play whatever you want I'm very happy because it's not. It's not. Uh, this is not just musical. It's also lyrical. It also has to do with uh, uh, gender. For, for example, you have. You guys are very lucky in the UK. You have Bob villain Bob villain man, he's amazing.
1: I've okay? never heard him yet. I know he's very local to us, but I've never heard him yet. David.
2: He's writing songs about clean living, about yeah. how to, to how to live clean and, and exercise stuff like that. And um, he says that you know in this in these times where uh, your health is number one, you should take care of your health. This is the most punk thing that you can do right now when everybody's you know more, more, so many people they're into terrible habits. Uh, and, he, he, and the, the, the diversity of his music, it, the, it, it's amazing. Um, I can't even imagine in the early 90s or even Zeros, Bob villain being out. There, there would be people like, whoa, he's not punk. That music is not punk. And he doesn't play, you know, the same uh, feature stuff, or blah, 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 blah. But yes, he's punk. And he's a great and he's a great one too uh, and if you want to listen to bands like you know that are current bands that are thriving that they're okay punk in the sense of that everybody knows it's there's Tabi and the gang and, the, and there there's the chisel the chisel amazing band amazing I look forward so much to see them live it's full uh, 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 They are. They're taking. uh, They're taking bits from uh, UK and US uh, punk and blending them together and creating an explosion. Fantastic band, and and um, I think that you know right now people in the punk rock scene, especially guys in our age, uh, they're much more, uh, much much cooler. With changes and different sounds,
0: yeah. It seems to me that I mean, just there just seems to be less less noise about whether someone is a sellout or not. You know, I mean, I remember to do, when Dave and I were going to gigs. You know, bands that kind of got big in our scene, but had nowhere to go, and there was no bigger labels because, um, and they they were probably a bit scared of going to bigger labels because they didn't want to be accused of. Of, of selling out. It just doesn't seem to be a conversation anymore. I think people just kind of accept it, understand it. And as you say, we're not all narrow-minded enough to just be into the same kind of music anymore. Um, it was a very strange, very strange phenomenon, wasn't it? And, 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 and
1: it's mad as well, you know, you've got folk bands like you know, Buzz, Clash, Sex Pistols, all major labels and stuff like that. There's no, no accusations of sellouts or anything along those lines. I don't know where that kind of come from.
2: Well, I think that we can blame. Sadly, my beloved um, UK anarcho scene and things things like that. Start, I think that started from, from Crass and their ilk, because if you did put out a record that had a um,
0: colored cover, you were a sellout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is it. Talk, talking about sellouts then, Alex, Um the, I mean again, of all this is a difficult question because you you've done yourself no favors by c- covering sort of hundreds of bands in your book. So this is a di- difficult one, but I'm going to put you on the spot. what what band or maybe two or three bands that were covered in the book, do you think I mean so when we talked to, to Carlos from the Nils, you know one the story that was told um, it was obviously about the fact that they had this opportunity and it was very sadly, you know, for different circumstances, taken away, and so they never, they never kind of made it. What, what, two or three bands that you cover in the book? Do you are you surprised? Never got bigger uh, and sort of reached the heights of some of the some of the bands that we've mentioned already, like the Huskadoos, the, the Soul Asylums, the Replacements. What two or three do you think should be up there with those greats?
2: First of all, first and foremost, the Nils. The Nils the, are there are maybe the first ones. That played that music. Yeah. It was 1979.
0: So ahead of its time.
2: Yeah. The Nils were so, uh, they, had, they had the terrible luck of signing the Profile Records and Chris Williamson. That guy, Chris Williamson, the Profile Records, he just created that label because he wanted to, um, to throw money from. Uh, the rap records that he was selling from Randy MC and stuff like that. Uh, and every band, Chromax, Leeway, Wargasm, The Nils, there were four bands. All four bands, they were down the drain. So the first first one is The Nils. Exceptional. An exceptional band. Very talented band. They should have been like their replacements. The second one, the second one is a French band. Named Les Thugs. I I consider them in musical terms equivalent to who's here do. There I read them so 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 much. They were a great band, but they were maybe a little bit they were happy with what they got. They didn't yeah. want a further expansion. Yeah. They didn't want to make it big. The third band, third band. I don't want to put another Canadian band like Asexuals or Dog Boys. <laughs> That's it,
0: two of my absolute favorites, uh, even though even
2: though they are fantastic. So I'll go with a uh, I'll go with a US band, and I will say that uh, Mission of Burma, Mission of Burma, uh, Mission of Burma had the bad luck of being just in the heyday of Boston hardcore. So you had Boston Garage bands like the Dogmatics or the Outlets. You had Mission of Burma and Proletariat. And then you had SSD, Jerry's Kids, uh, Gangrene. Bands, yeah, DYS, bands that everybody knows. And uh, there, there, there is a video on YouTube where Mission of Burma support, players support uh, SSD. And people, are throwing you know everything to Mission of Burma because they don't play fast, but it's on every record that Mission of Burma, uh, Mission of Burma released. It just just ace, ace top notch stuff. They should so play. influential.
0: I mean, you know there is, you know I think what what you've done a really great job at, as I said at the beginning, is that is that bridge, and I think for for the people that do know, and there are bigger bands, you know, that have been Graham Coxon from Blur covered. Uh, revolver by mission of Burma and, and bands like peg boy covered and, and they're like you know so they, their influence is there isn't it their influence on what happened later in music is definitely there and I think you can then go back I did I went back you know after mission of Burma uh, have released those things and got got into them so it's possible um and it's just as I say at the beginning I think it's just great that you've you've been able to kind of capture that um tell their stories for well, us three three great bands one of which i don't know so i'll check out was it less thugs did you say
2: less tags less Thugs. i will send out no, no worries i'll send the links later yeah. <laughs> uh, can i can i add the fourth one please yeah very yeah, yeah. Yeah. wild the fourth one the fourth one is uh is from uh california and it is a tie in between MIA and agent Orange. MIA got a lot of shit because they changed their hardcore sound back then. But their records, the records that they went melodic, so inspired stuff, so inspired stuff. Agent Orange, on the other hand, I guess that we should today declare they're living in darkness as a monument for future generations. <laughs> There should have been a Living in Darkness day, where every in every school in every city they will listen to Living in Darkness. <laughs>
0: I love that. We'll start. We'll start the campaign here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There. There are
2: so many bands. So many bands. I mean, all
0: of them. All of them. And I read, I mean, you know, uh, I couldn't recommend a book highly enough. Just out of interest, Alex, why? Um, I mean. Seven Seconds are one of the bigger bands that you talk about. And I think, as I said, maybe that album, I mean, I I was a bit young for it, but maybe that album was a bit of a seismic shift for for a band that was so well known for their fast, hardcore sounds going to such a drastically different sound, Um, even though the album still had, you know, double time songs on it and everything. Um, Are are they, was that book, was the book named because... Your favorite band, or was it because of that significance of that of that album?
2: If I had to name the book, there are th- I think that in terms of uh, US, there are three records that signalled this this shift. First one is the New Wind by Seven Seconds. Second one is uh, Dag Nasty's We Got Our Dangos because if you compare We Got Our Dangos with Can I Say, it's like. The third one, uh, the third one is a tricky choice, but I think that it signaled a, a whole new generation of bands that they were based on this sound, which is a sound that I will cover in my fourth book. It's about religion, Suffer. Suffer, you know, Suffer created something, something totally different. Mm-hmm. But it was the New Wind that was the first one that took things to another level. When I first heard the New Wind, I was appalled. I was shocked. I was like, "Wow, what's that?" It was a gr- I, I was twenty years old. Don't blame me, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but it, it, it grew on me. It grew on me, and I, I found the magic. It was just one day that said, "Hallelujah, this is it." <laughs> Fine. Yeah. I, I, I love when that happens.
1: Like, you know, you, there's a band you like and then they've changed themselves totally and you, you initially like, bro, what the hell is this? You know, this is rubbish. And it takes a while to you know, just you know, resonate and you know,
2: build. And one day, it's just like, hang on, this is my favourite album of all time. <laughs> you, you know, um, David, when, when I first heard of Wipers, I was uh, 17 years old. An older punk gave me two Wipers records. Sorry, two Wipers records. And I was like, why those guys are playing so slow? Uh, they're, they're, I, they're, I don't care about them. In just two years, they became my favorite band. I, I was I was like, what kind of an idiot was I? And I rejected them in the first place. <laughs> but that's showing growth, you know, yeah. showing, showing growth and maturity. And, you know,
1: I think it, sometimes music has to hit you at the right time. It can take a while, but once it's there, it's there.
2: Yeah, exactly. And sometimes the ones
0: that make the instant impact on you aren't the ones that stay with you. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you'll listen to something and you love it straight away. And five weeks later, you're sort of bored of it. You listen to it too much and actually it doesn't stay with you. The ones that grow are the ones that kind of, you know, are there for the long haul, I reckon.
2: Well, John, maybe in the first case, uh, um, the scenario says that you listen so much to that record. That you are sick of it. You're gonna puke if you're listening to just my song. So it's like <laughs> there are bands like that are like that, where that they grab me instantly. And right now, I can't even stand in, uh, a single note by them.
1: <laughs> Alex, you've documented a shed load of bands, and I don't even know whether or not your favorite band of all time are actually listed within your book. But who is your favorite band of all time? Oh, this this,
2: this, this uh, you, you know you already know that the the descendants uh, this question uh, it's a horrible
0: question
2: it's going to make your head explode it, because 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 you you can answer the exact the, the total difference things in 5 minutes from now okay if i was to pick one band that everyone into rock and roll whether you are a punk or your hardcore kid or your no, I won't pick a band. I will, I will pick a record. And the record is going to be a real a real surprise. Ramones. Animal oh. Boy. Oh, Animal Boy by Ramones.
0: Wow. That is a surprise, but I like it.
2: Because um, it can appeal to punks, to rockers, to hardcore kids, to metal hits, to everybody. Everybody speaks about the the first four Ramones records, Ramones records, but the magic is in the 1980s Ramones. <laughs> yeah, I love So it. the question, so John, the question now is, do you prefer the bands that they are influenced from the early Ramones or the 1980s Ramones?
0: <laughs> no, I'm I'm all about the uh, the sort of Spectre era. I mean, bon, Bonzo goes to Bitburg is just like yeah. My I mean, so me and my kid. Uh, listen to that song so from a personal point of view it means that song is a really important song for me but I think you're really I mean, I'm not I don't agree entirely with you like I'm not saying it's the greatest record of all time yeah. but in terms of what it what the Ramones were before to what it led to um, it really did it really did influence such a new way of, of playing punk rock absolutely uh,
2: you didn't ask me one question, both you, David and John, that I would I would ask. Oh yes, please
0: tell me. Ask, no. us, ask us to ask you.
2: Yeah. Why? Why are you doing this? Why are you <laughs> writing books?
0: That's a very good question. It sounds like you've got a lot going on. Um. Yeah. No. Why? What's your um? Go on. Give us the answer.
2: Uh, okay. This is going to be a little bit sentimental, but yeah. We we were living in Italy in Siena, with my daughter and my partner, and uh, my daughter suffered from a child anorexia, and we couldn't go. Uh, she couldn't go to the kindergarten. I had to quit my job, and I had to lose and I had to stop my PhD because I had to stay with her because I didn't want you know my partner. To take she was very sensitive not that I wasn't sensitive but and there was a time that we were 12 days in a row in um, in the hospital and i was sitting next to her and i and, uh, and you know the, the doctors the doctors were driving me crazy they were saying, saying things like there's a possibility of uh, cancer stuff like that and i was like fuck what am i going to do and when everything started falling apart, everything, guys. I mean, it was hell. It was absolute hell. <laughs> uh, I wish no one to pass this this stuff. I'm laughing right now because uh, I went to the I went to to present my PhD and I went. I entered the room. And I said, "Look, guys, uh, I got my daughter and blah blah, and I'm stopping it right now." And they considered it something like, um, let's say, uh, rudeness. And that was very rude. And when I got out of, uh, you know, the, the the exam office, and I was like walking around, uh, my partner called me and she told me, "Alex, I have good news for you. Our daughter is is fine. She's just brilliant. How did your PhD exam went?" And I told her, "Well." I quit my I, I, I stopped my PhD and she was crying and I would like, say don't no, don't, cry I'm gonna restart it no worries there's not gonna be a problem and uh, I went back home and, and she was crying she was like why did you do that what and I told her okay no worries uh, I'm going to hit it back I'm gonna write a book so what are you talking about I, and then I told her we're leaving Italy okay we're going back the UK. And just, uh, just uh, when we are back in the UK, I'm going to have finished a book about things that I love, about music that I love. And feels like, Alex, go get some rest, please. You're crazy. And I stayed up all night. I started writing bands and I started, you know, writing stuff and, and collecting stuff and collecting things that were in my, that were in my mind all over. And, uh, she was watching me, on a, my partner was watching me on a daily basis, writing and writing and writing. I said, Alex, you can't be serious, right? She, she was afraid that there was something like, <laughs> I was going nuts. I said, no, everything's under control, no worries. And then uh, I got a contract from uh, Terry Red, and the color and, and I told her, look, I got the contract for the book. <laughs> and uh, that's why uh, all my books are uh, dedicated to three people. Is to my daughter, to my to my partner, to Ian Glasper because Ian Glasper helped me through this stuff. And uh, I can I can easily say guys, uh, I, I don't know you know the kind of problems each, pe- each person has I don't know David, if you had some problems or Johnny if you had some problems, everybody has some problems. there's only one way to deal with the problems. You have to do whatever uh, fills your soul with joy. If you do it, man, there's nothing that you can, uh, there's nothing that can stop you. I, 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 literally, guys, I was in hell. I was, I was in deep shit, guys. <laughs> and right now, I'm so happy, and that's why I'm continuing doing it because uh, I want. Uh, maybe I want my daughter to be proud of me say, okay, to be happy about me and say, you know, that um, once she gets up, once she is 17 or 18, 20 years old, I don't know if she listens to the same music. I don't think so. But I I want her to be, you know, something like, uh, be happy about me, that I did something uh, that helped people uh, in some time of uh, their life to be happy too because i get some you know so i get some messages from people that they're saying alex your book helped me through a rough period of my time because i enjoyed so much pants. and this is the greatest joy
0: well we hope you enjoyed that chat as much as we did um alex is a lovely guy but he's written a phenomenal book an absolute encyclopedia of Bands that you either know um, that you've heard of or that you're about to discover. I'm working my way through it. Um it's it's just brilliant and I'm really glad that someone has taken the time to capture a lot of those smaller bands out there. So thank you for listening. Dave, any, any last words from you?
1: Just stay safe. Uh keep loving each other, and peace out. Yeah, that's that's
0: lovely.
2: I'm Alex Anasiadis. I'm the writer of Crossover at the Edge and We Can Be the New Wind. And I'm listening to Punk Rock Academy podcast. Definitely.